Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to another episode of Vitamin D&D, your weekly dose of Dungeons & Dragons, just what the DM ordered. I'm your host, Patrick, and here with me today, as always, is my fellow co-host and party member, Brady. What's going on? Not much. If you can't tell, we both sound awesome. Hopefully. Yeah, we've done some upgrades on the uh, the microphone department, in the microphone department. So uh, Yes, very exciting. Things that sound much better, Just if you don't believe us, go back and listen to like episode two or three. I, I just listened to it. Or if you already have, just remember it's... the atrociousness that is episode two i went back and was like is that the was something wrong with my headphones what What is going on (laughs) what is that it sounds sounds like we're recording in molasses or something like like, Uh, or underwater i don't know under a couch wing of a jet plane or something (laughs) yeah Uh, it sounds not that great um but hopefully it sounds a whole lot better today and that's a good thing because today i'm going to be talking about interacting with the world. And so we've touched several times uh, you know, through the last 10 episodes um, on ability scores, ability checks, that sort of thing, and the skills that go with it. So today we're going to get a little more in depth. That way you kind of have in mind, okay, so whenever I'm asked to roll a check for athletics, you know a little bit about what that means. Or whenever you're describing during your role-playing what you're going to do, you can kind of maybe phrase it if you <laughs> are trying to phrase it towards an ability or a skill that you're more proficient with. <laughs> that way it can turn out better for you. Yeah, and also just to know where, going along with that, where your strengths lie to where you can think, okay, well, if I'm a little skinny half-elf cleric and I want to lift that big heavy door over there, then like, Strength probably isn't going to be, you know, your thing, but there might be some other of these skills um, that fall under these abilities that might be more to your strength, as in, right, not your, for it. <laughs> you, <you're laughs> but you know what I mean. What you can, you can tailor it to what you want to do to be able to do what you're wanting to do to do 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 do. Um, and so I think that. You know, some people may think of that as being metagaming, like, oh, you're trying to, you know, only play to what your strengths are. But as people living normal lives, we tend we do the same thing. So it's not it's not metagaming. It's yeah, you, yeah, it's not metagaming. It's really it's good role playing. Your character, like, how am I gonna do? Yeah, how yeah. am I gonna do this? Yeah, if your character is really good at talking, they're probably gonna try to insert themselves into most talking type situations, especially if they see mm-hmm. another character struggling. Um, so not metagaming. It's really good role playing in my opinion. Yep. So, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and just to recap real quick, there are six main abilities, which are strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. And then there are 18 skills that fall under those six um, main categories, the main abilities. So, they and those skills are they're kind of like different flavors of each ability so kind of more focused subgenres you know yeah just a more specific interaction um capability for that one thing so yeah and as we and go I'm gonna through go ahead and just oh. for, forgive me if cuz i know i'm going to do it Mixing up abilities and skills. I'm going to try and keep it straight, but <laughs> abilities are the main six. Skills are the 18 subcategory things of them. But 
just right. go with me. You'll know what I'm meaning. Yeah, it's it's hard whenever, whenever you know the game designers use words that are so interchangeable, like skills and abilities, and you know <laughs> that sort of thing. That it's it's sometimes a little hard to wade through it. Be like, no, no, I'm talking about game skills, not your skills. <laughs> talking about abilities in the book, not abilities in you know whatever. Um, so while we go through these descriptions of the six main abilities and the 18 skills and the ability checks that kind of go with them, we're going to maybe highlight a few specifically, um, but we'll describe all of them as we go through. That way you got a pretty good idea of it. Um, and if you want to look for yourself, starting on page 175 of the player's handbook is where you'll start to see some detailed descriptions of the different abilities and the skills. Yeah, so the first one that we're going to cover is going to be strength, and it's pretty much exactly what you're thinking of. It's kind of any type of attempt to like push, pull, or break something, force your body through a tight space, or you know, apply brute force to a situation. So basically, if you are wanting to use your muscles to accomplish something, uh, that's what this is applying to. So strength is also the ability uh, used for some melee attacks and throwing certain weapons or objects um, or even small party members. I mean, uh, it, you know, like uh, in uh, like in uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, <laughs> the bear, you know, yeah. don't tell the elf. <laughs> so, right. um, but, but yeah, so uh, that's the main strength ability and that will apply to a lot of, you know, the main things that you're doing, but in certain situations, situations, you may find yourself, um, you know, maybe you have this next, the, this first skill under strength, it's called athletics. So this is like situations of climbing, jumping, or swimming or anything, or, you know, maybe like you're sprinting down a hall or some kind of something where it's more athletic and not just like raw strength based. Uh, that's, this is going to be the athletics, uh, subcategory or the skill. So, uh, an athletics kind of like it said in the in the description athletics is going to be more uh you're wanting to try and climb up the side of uh maybe like a, a creek wall or like a creek canyon like you're in a cave or something and you're wanting to, to climb up it or you're wanting to try and uh kind of sprint and jump across a big gap uh of this you know chasm that's in between you and you want to like run real quick and then like jump over it just to get to the other side. Uh, that, that would be kind of, um, an athletic situation. And some of these, you're going to be able to apply multiple skills to a certain situation, but this is like we were talking about. You want to find the one that fits you best that you can work and say that it fits your character best to be able to complete this, um, this task. So, uh, Patrick's going to talk about the next one that's kind of, you can switch in and out if you're doing any type of some sorts of climbing, jumping, and stuff like that. So, All right, and the next uh, ability we're going to talk about is dexterity. And dexterity is any attempt to move nimbly, quickly, or quietly, or to keep from falling on tricky footing. And that last example, you know, it may be, you know, find itself or in the realm of a dexterity saving throw, but a dungeon master may call upon you to make a dexterity check if you're just on tricky footing, not necessarily if you're falling. Um, dexterity is also the ability used for some melee attacks with weapons that have the finesse property, like rapiers. 
and most range weapon attacks used use dexterity as their ability modifier. Um, and underneath dexterity, there are three different skills. First one is going to be acrobatics, and I say that acrobatics and athletics are probably the two most mixed up and confused or kind of interchangeable, wouldn't you say, Brady? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was talking about up there with strength, where there's there's some of these that can kind of be interchangeable or just kind of more dependent on your character. But yeah, it's it's very, they can be interchanged is the best way to put it. Yeah, and as a dungeon master, you may also, you know, if you know a character is proficient in acrobatics, you may tend to ask them to make a acrobatics check or an athletics check, um, depending upon what they might have proficiency with. Or even, I've even heard some dungeon masters give the player the option. You know, you can use athletics or acrobatics, whichever you want. So, just depends. So, acrobatics, it covers attempts to stay on your feet in tricky situations. Or stunts such as dives, rolls, and flips. You say the most easy example I can think of is maybe running and jumping and doing a flip off a table in the middle of a bar fight, or trying to yeah, run doing up six a, stunts. Yeah, six stunts. Like uh, you know, if you're a monk, especially like I imagine my my monk character that I made during our character creation episode. Um, I think he's got acrobatic proficiency. Gosh, if he doesn't, that was a terrible decision. On my part. Um, next skill uh, underneath dexterity is going to be sleight of hand. So this is this and the next ability are kind of the bread and butter of the rogue class. So sleight of hand covers acts of trickery, such as planting an object on someone, concealing an object, or taking something without being noticed. So that can be stealing something, maybe planting evidence on somebody. Um, even if, you know, if you're planting evidence on the person who's really guilty, that sort of thing, like you're trying to make sure that the evidence finds its way back to the guilty party, that sort of thing, that might be a sleight of hand check. So anything that you're going to be doing without being noticed, you know, trying to be quick, that sort of thing. And the last skill associated with dexterity is stealth. And stealth covers attempts to conceal yourself, slink quietly past guards, slip away without notice, or sneak up on a unsuspecting target. And so stealth checks are definitely one of the most commonly called for checks, I'd say, on your adventuring, you know, maybe not necessarily in combat, but adventuring, especially right before combat, uh, you typically want characters to roll, you know, make a stealth check if you are a dungeon master. And so that is pretty commonly used yeah there it's very um it's one of those things that you can kind of rely on like we talked about in a previous episode of when doing nothing else kind of a do taking the dodge action going into stealth when you're creeping around a dungeon or going through a place that you're not sure of like is usually a, a pretty good bet to do right uh, just to be on the safe side yeah it's usually always a good idea to uh try to be a little silent and sneaky um yeah keyword try because uh right. you know like in the case of the, the meme of the clunky paladin or something but the yeah keyword is try yep and there's um one skill that we'll talk about in a minute which is the perception skill which whenever you are stealthing is the um is the skill that is going to be indirect 
contest against your stealth. And we'll talk about contests once we, whenever we get to perception, that'll be a good time to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll jump in there and throw it in there. But the next one is going to be constitution. And that is basically any attempt to like kind of push your body beyond normal limits of endurance. Um, Usually constitution checks are, they're kind of very uncommon as the endurance kind of represented is largely passive. So there are no skills that fall under constitution, but some common tasks that may need a constitution check are some things like holding your breath, uh, hard travel without rest, going without sleep, uh, or ho- holding down your hearty meal, um, you know, from a like a pie eating contest or something like that. Um, and then another thing in combat that you usually have to use constitution checks for would be uh, like poisons. If you're, somebody cuts you with a poison you know, with on a da- with a dagger that has poison on it, or if you catch a poison arrow in the arm or something like that, usually you're going to do some sort of constitution check uh, to try and either resist it or half the damage or something like that. So that's kind of a, a combat application, but usually just constitution when you're interacting with the world, it's, as we we're saying, holding your breath, keeping down something nasty that you just drank, um, it's things like that. Even though Constitution doesn't have any skills specifically associated with it, other than just in regular Constitution ability check, there are some times where you can call upon other skills that may be in relation to Constitution. So kind of like the example that Brady gave of swimming and trying to hold your breath. It may also be kind of a, if you're swimming a long distance, that may be also a Constitution check, a call for endurance but it also kind of falls into the athletics type situation, you know, maybe not necessarily strength, you're not pushing, pulling or trying to break anything. So in that situation, it's a constitution check, but a skill this with the skill of athletics. So in that situation, it's like a constitution check using your proficient, you know, if you've got proficiency in athletics, so using your, um, modifier for the athletics skill. Those are some, you know, kind of variant situations. You can do that sort of thing if you're a dungeon master. Um, you don't have to, but just one of those things. Yeah, and every situation is different. So, I mean, and every DM's different. So, it'll, you know, some DMs handle things one way while others handle it other way. So, it's, if you're the DM, it's, it's however you want to handle it. So, but these are just kind of general suggestions. Right. And, and as a dungeon master, there's some skills that you may never, ever um, call upon your players to, you know, have your, you know, characters try to do just because, you know, it may just be something that you don't, you're not really looking for that kind of ability check in your adventures, whether it be, it's just not tuned that way, or you may think that certain skills are kind of useless um, in a lot of different cases. And so, you know, some of them. Some of them, I think, are in the the public opinion. I guess not public, uh, but but the opinion in a lot of the D and D community is that some skills kind of need to be retuned or just left out. So, um, next ability we're going to talk about is the intelligence ability. So, intelligence is any attempt to draw upon logic, knowledge, memory, or deductive reasoning. So, underneath intelligence are a lot of different skills that kind of all in their same way are asking you to call upon the 
lore or the, you know, some knowledge that you've learned or that you've got recorded or you read somewhere, that sort of thing. The first one is going to be Arcana. And Arcana measures your ability to recall lore about spells, magical items, magic traditions, or different planes of existence and their inhabitants. And one thing I've seen a lot is one thing to remember the Arcana ability check or skill check. I did it again. The Arcana skill check is not your automatic identify item kind of check. You, you know, you're not going to be able to necessarily without magic, you, you know, be able to identify what some kind of magical item is, does any kind of, you know, special abilities it gives, curse, curses that are on it, that sort of thing. It can just kind of give you the history of, like, the magical history of something. Um, the next intelligence skill is history, which is, it's funny. It's All these are kind of like the histories of different things, but this is the history of history. And it measures your ability to recall lore about historical events, people, and places. Pretty simple. And your next intelligence check skill check is investigation and this one kind of goes hand in hand with perception but you want to be a little more specific whenever you're calling for an investigation check versus a perception check you know investigation is actually whenever you are searching for clues and making deductions about those clues or it can be if you're pouring through some kind of forgotten tech you know book you know, a history book, maybe that would be, you're trying to use an investigation to find what you're looking for kind of thing. Next skill is going to be nature, which measures your ability to recall lore about terrain, plants, animals, weather, and the cycles of nature. So typically druids will probably be inclined to be proficient in the nature skill, you know, just, you know, by their nature. <laughs> And hey, hey, the, uh, <laughs> the final skill associated with nice. intelligence <laughs> nice, is religion. And religion measures your ability to recall lore about deities, rites and prayers, religious hierarchies, uh, <laughs> that word, holy symbols and the practices of secret cults. And one thing and that I guess I like the religion check because it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a religious person. Um, and you could be an atheist in the Dungeons and Dragons world and still be really read up and, you know, proficient in the religion because, you know, in some situations in real life, atheists and agnostics, that sort of thing are pretty studied up on what religious orders are kind of all about, you know, what they say, that sort of thing. It's kind of how they formed their opinions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a agnostic. I think I've got a cream for that. <laughs> uh, little oh man, little just, uh, little movie reference there for you. What's what? What movie is that? Oh come on, it's from the same movie. Have a great big bushy beard. Oh, is I guess I don't remember that from Hot Fuzz. Yep, Hot Fuzz. Yep, uh, I'll have to watch it again. Anyway, sorry, that's your. Uh, it's been your one uh, little movie reference per per episode. There, complimentary from me. What what is uh what's the trilogy called the uh, Cornetto? Yeah, that's your Cornetto trilogy reference of the episode right there. Yep, my quota. You can you can drink your apple juice or whatever you're you're having now. <laughs> Boom. Throw one back. 
Yep. So, you know, had to get my one reference in. Right. Uh, but then our next one is going to be, our next ability is going to be wisdom. So wisdom is any attempt to like kind of read body language, understand someone's feelings, just notice things about the environment uh, or kind of care for an injured person. So the skills that are going to be under wisdom are going to be animal handling, insight, medicine, perception, and survival. Uh, and one of these perception that we'll get to here in a second is the kind of the one that you're going to be using the most, but we'll, we'll go through them and how we have them in order. So animal handling is going to be, it kind of measures your ability to calm a domesticated animal or keep them out from being spooked or uh, read an animal's intentions. And also, um, you know, I've, I've had it used and I've used it in campaigns where came across a wild animal and it kind of looked vicious and like it was going to attack you. And then you were able to kind of like, you know, make it, make it calm or like try to shoo it away peacefully and not make a big deal out of it. But it's basically anything mostly involving an, an animal that you're needing to have it do something you want it to try and do basically. <laughs> so if you played dead for a bear, would that be a animal handling check or a deception check? <laughs> Ooh, a deception check or a performance yeah. check. Ooh, performance check. Yeah, that could mm, be. That's a mm. good one. I don't know. That's, that, that's uh, something for behind the screens. We'll have write, to discuss. You need to write that one down. That's yeah. That actually is a pretty good one. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> something yeah. to ponder on people. Um, just let us know. However uh, you want to get hold of us. See if, see if what you, what you think. Yeah. And that's situation. But, uh, Which so then our next be? one, yeah, yeah. What what would you what do you think it would be? Yeah. But then our next skill is going to be insight, and that determines whether or not you can read a creature's true intentions, uh, such as like sensing a lie or predicting their next move. So I, I want to speak on this just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Insight doesn't mean you get to read the person's mind or know exactly what they're thinking or you know tell exactly what they're going to do next. Insight basically just lets you as it said, be able to kind of tell if that thing is lying or not, or, you know, get a sense of if someone is, um, you know, speaking the truth or meaning what they're saying. I'm just saying a lie a bunch of different ways, but, <laughs> but, you know, it just lets you know kind of what's up with that person, like kind of catch their vibe, know, know what's going down with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's not going to necessarily be like, I, you know, okay, roll an insight check and you roll really high. It's like, yeah, this is this, this is this person in disguise. You can tell. It's like, okay, that yeah. may not be or the case. This creature is very insecure. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> like the way his hair looks. And it's, it's not, it's nothing like that. It's, it's right. basically just like this person being able to shifty. This person, like, you can see, yeah, that exactly. They're, they're this, sweating, this person... like, like they're, Obviously yes, stressed, yes. you know, they're wringing their hands, that sort of thing. Little little bits of body language. Yeah, their eyes are shifting back and forth. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. So <laughs> got a nervous laugh. <laughs> yeah. They look at you and go, uh, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> so <laughs> and they laugh too loudly. <laughs> ha ha! Humor. Ha ha ha! Yes, <laughs> jokes. <I'm> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so that's inside. Um, and then so the next one's going to be medicine. So that basically lets you try to stabilize a dying companion or diagnose an illness or tell what is wrong with an injured or otherwise sick party member. And uh, medicine checks, you'll, you may or may not use them a lot. So they're, you know, as we said, they're used to stabilize. And if you don't have a healer 
in your group for whatever reason, which not a very good idea, but some people do it. Yeah. But uh, if you if you don't have a healer in your group, you'll probably be using this a lot. But even if you do have a healer in your group, you know, sometimes you run out of spell slots and you have to stabilize. So you would be using a medicine check. So it's always a good one to have a high uh, proficiency with or um, modifier with just, just in case, because you never know. Yeah. So this, this next one, um, I'm actually going to save it for last. I'm going to go ahead and skip to survival and then we'll come back to perception because that's, that's a big one. So survival is it, it measures your ability to track, uh, follow tracks and hunt wild game or guide your group through rough terrain like the forest or through a snowstorm or something like that, uh, or spot signs of nearby creatures, identify changes in the weather, um, or just avoid natural hazards. It's basically, imagine if you were stuck out in the woods like Les Stroud, almost anything that he was going to do <laughs> oh, would be boy. a survival check, basically. Um, so it's, it's something that you may or may not use a lot of just depending on how your DM wants to, to run things. Um, (laughs) it's like, uh, all right, I'm going to carry all of my camera equipment over here. All right. Roll a survival check. (laughs) All right. Sorry. Well, you know what I mean? My opinion on Lester out is a little, maybe not, maybe not popular. (laughs) I don't think that necessarily. I just meant in the context of his show. I understand. I just don't think all of his stuff is necessarily super true to demonstrating how you would survive because he's hauling. I mean, I think he's hauling some pretty hefty gear. It's probably gotten a lot lighter uh, with technology, but Lord, he's still putting in lots of work. He, uh, he'll go put that camera on the tripod about, you know, half a mile in front of him and then he'll walk back and then he'll walk to the camera, walk past the camera for half a mile, then walk half a mile back <laughs> to get the camera. You know I mean? Cause some of those shots he does are pretty long shots, you know, during the show. So man, sorry, rabbit hole. <laughs> you little, did you know, you mentioned less well, and you just got me going. Let, let, let me, let me rephrase. If you were to be dropped out into the middle of the woods <laughs> with a uh, Swiss army knife and five feet of paracord, pretty much anything you were going to do to make your way back home would be a survival check. Right. So I'm like foraging food, starting a fire, trying to follow a game track or, you know, follow a stream back to uh, civilization. Anyways, yeah. that's basically survival. Like, so like Bear Grylls, gonna jump right? To like he's he's totally authentic. Yeah. Yeah, that exactly. That even more so than Les Stroud. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but this next one is is one that you'll be using a lot. And we're going to get into something with it uh, mm. called Contests. Uh, but first we'll talk about perception. So perce- perception is basically just lets you spot here or otherwise detect the presence of something. And it also just measures general awareness and keenness of your senses. So perception, there's perception checks, and then there is passive perception. Mm. Uh, we've talked about this in other episodes, so I'm just going to glaze over it real quick. But your perception modifier and your perception, that would be for like a perception check. So if you walk into a room and you say, "What? what do I want to, what do I see? Then roll a perception check. That's just straight up a roll with your modifier. And then that lets you, s- how well you take in your surroundings. Whereas passive perception is when you're just walking down the road or doing whatever, and you're not doing an active perception check. It's a base of 10 plus your um, wisdom modifier that gives you your passive perception. And then that gets into contesting with other uh, stealth checks and things like that. So Patrick, do you, do you want to kind of talk about contests a little bit? Yeah. So in the first example I'll give is 
there are sometimes contests where the contest is going to be, you know, between two creatures, that sort of thing. And they're going to use the same skill. So easiest example you can think of is a contest of strength. So if you're trying to grapple an enemy or they're trying to grapple you and you're trying to either, you know, keep them pinned down or they're trying to escape, that may be a contest of strength. Um, or even, you know, if you're trying to hold the door closed and there's a bunch of enemies pushing against the door trying to force it open, that'd be a strength against strength contest. And then there's other abilities, or sorry, other skills, and it may be abilities, uh, other skills contests that may be different dif- different skills, gosh. Um, like we talked about stealth and perception. And so if you are actively going to, I like to say, or think of it like stealth up. Like if you are getting stealthy, you're going to try to sneaky sneak. As you approach a bunch of enemies, if you're just going through a dungeon and you've been attacked the last six times you've gone into a room, if you want to stealth close to the door to try to peek around, that sort of thing, then you're going to roll a stealth check. The dungeon master is probably going to roll for a stealth check. Now, they may use previously rolled stealth checks, but typically if you go kind of in and out of trying to be sneaky, um, if you're re- trying to re-be sneaky, <laughs> then you're going to roll a new stealth check every time. And then if the if you are on, you know, whether it be your enemy or it be you, someone trying to sneak up on you, if you are not actively engaged with this person as far as combat goes, or if you are not actively looking for this person, there's no reason that you would need to, you know, be on your toes, that sort of thing, then that would be their stealth the stealth check would be against the passive perception check. Whereas if you are actively looking for this person, like if you know that there's some sneaky people around and we're all huddled in a circle and we're all looking out, you know, we're all sitting around a campfire looking out in all directions, that would more than likely be compared a contest against your active perception because you are not passively looking. You are intently trying to perceive what is going on, you know, listen to your surroundings, that sort of thing. Um, there's also some, and we'll get, we'll describe more in depth the different, there's some charisma skills coming up, like um, deception, which you can t- sometimes do if somebody is trying to lie against you. You can, you know, and they may try to use insight against you to determine if you're lying, you know, determine if your intentions are true or if the dungeon master is playing role playing and an NPC that is lying to you and you want to make an insight check. It might be your insight check versus their deception check kind of thing. So whether or not their lie is good enough to, you know, kind of defeat your insight, that sort of thing, or even their persuasion, because it doesn't necessarily have to be deception. It can be persuasion or performance kind of thing. And that's, I mean, decent, I guess, description of contests any anything extra to add on that brady no i think that that pretty much covered it all Uh, and it's just basically two skills and or abilities going up against each other the higher roll wins and that's just like any other type of contest so yeah um and one thing i think we'll we'll probably touch on later but it's just i feel like i need to mention it there's some of these skills like i mentioned that kind of some people don't think are really useful or kind of go hand in hand nature and survival, I've, I've, I feel like sometimes it's hard as a dungeon master to decide which you're going to use. Um, whether it's just a person's, 
you know, knowledge about nature and about what's going on and terrain, that sort of thing. Or if it's what they're actually, I guess if you're doing nature stuff in a perception kind of way, then that's, you know, more of a survival check. Um, the one that doesn't really fit to me in wisdom medicine, as far as trying to stabilize, I can understand the diagnose and illness, but to me, like having wisdom doesn't, doesn't necessarily make you good at making sure no one, someone stops dying. Well, I mean, it kind of, it kind of does. Cause I mean, you got it's, I, I always think about it as like, you know, in, intelligence versus wisdom. Whereas, you know, if, if it was in intelligence, it's kind of like intelligence is, it's the old saying, intelligence is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing that you don't put fruit, you don't put tomatoes in a fruit salad. That's true. So I it's guess like going back, you I have do. the knowledge of how to save somebody, but you actually know. Yeah. You need to know how to implement it to like save that person or stabilize them or like know exactly what you need to do. Not just like, right. Hey, I know how to help him. He's not breathing. It's like, we'll do something. About it. It's like, no, I, I just know what to do. I yeah. don't know how to do it. I guess medicine is a great example of like the conflict and like confusion between intelligence and wisdom. Like you said, whereas like intelligence, you may know exactly what, Oh yeah, that person's got a sucking chest wound. Whereas as an intelligence, high intelligence person, you'd be like, I don't know what to do about it, <laughs> but, but, uh, I can tell you what's happening. <laughs> like there's a bad things happening for that person. Whereas the high yeah, wisdom like, person uh, can book solve smarts the versus street smarts. I guess. Yeah, that's true. All right. Sort um, of in general terms, but anyways. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to our last ability. It's charisma and charisma is any attempt to influence, entertain others, make an impression tell a lie or navigate tricky social situations. And so these are kind of the ones that are most often used whenever you get into the social role-playing, whether you're talking with non-player characters or trying to, um, you know, get past guards, that sort of thing. So first one's going to be deception, uh, which deception determines whether you can convincingly hide the truth, either verbally or through your actions. So, even if it's just appearing like you're not lying kind of thing. It can include an attempt to con a merchant, gamble. So if you're at a you know, fantasy casino, um, pass off a disguise or tell a blatant lie. So it's deception, pretty, pretty cut, cut and dry. Intimidation is the next one. Your attempts to influence someone through overt threats, hostile actions, or physical violence. And I'm not sure if it's the player's handbook or the dungeon master guide talks about intimidation. You can kind of use it interchangeably. Um, you know, using, if you're going to intimidate somebody, uh, a variant rule you can use is if you are not, you don't have a high int intimidation skill, but you've got a super high strength skill and you're this big, huge, hulking, scary mountain of a person. You can sometimes the dungeon master can decide to let the person roll a strength check as their kind of attempt to intimidate somebody. Like if they're trying to <laughs> hint that they are going to physically harm someone or could. Um, next skill is going to be performance, which like we talked about, you know, if you're playing dead from a bear, is it performance? Maybe um, it, it determines how well you can delight an audience with music, dance, 
acting, storytelling, or some other form of entertainment. I guess if you can entertain a bear with being dead. <laughs> um, and last skill is persuasion. And persuasion is an attempt to influence someone or a group with tact, social graces, or good nature. Used with acting in good faith, fostering friendships, making cordial cordial requests, or exhibiting proper etiquette. That basically, that, that pretty much covers, like I said, all the abilities uh, we talked about. Ability scores, sorry, the ability checks, skill checks, and contests between different skills and abilities. Um, and next, when, when are you going to do this? When are you going to, when is this all going to kind of come into play? Yeah, that's, this is, we've, we've been saying all these just to get to show you what these things are. But now we're going to talk about when these things actually come to fruition when you will actually make these checks and when you will be asked by your DM to make these. And this gets into role-playing or just literally the act of playing out a role. Um, you know, in the case of D and D you as the player are determining how your character thinks, acts and talks, you know, their quirks, their mannerisms and personality influencing that influencing the outcome of interactions. So role-play is part of every aspect of the game. Um, none more so than during social interactions, you know, like talking with people or trying to negotiate something out, whether it would be with another player, um, control character in your party or a non-player character that's controlled by the DM. Uh, so there's basically two types of styles of, um, role-playing, especially described in the player's handbook. And that's the descriptive or the active approach. So the the first one of those is the descriptive approach, and that's basically you just describe your characters' words and actions to the DM and the other players. And it's kind of you drawing on your mental image of your character, and you tell everyone what your character does and how he or she does it. Um, so that's basically saying instead of, you know, being the, the dwarf and I'm going to do it this way, which is the active approach, this is where you just go... Um, you know, my character walks up to the bar, sits down with a loud thud because he's a big heavy dwarf, slams his hand on the table and shouts at the bartender for a drink. Um, so that's that's kind of like the descriptive approach. So one, one thing you need, or a couple things you need to keep in mind when you're doing this is describe emotions and attitude along with these other descriptions and focus on your character's intent and how others might perceive it. So instead of just saying, you know, I walk up to the bar, sit down and order a drink. You know, that's, you can construe that as multiple different ways. Whereas if you describe it how I described it earlier, you might get an idea of either that he's either mad or happy or, you know, something instead of just he walks up and gets a drink. You know, he he jostles up to the table and sits down with a loud clunk and, you know, slams his hand on the on the the bar and shouts bartender give me a drink and around for the the house or whatever you know that way it's like oh okay he's kind of like celebrating so yeah just remember that <laughs> i think of <laughs> with the focusing on your character's intent and how others might perceive it makes me think of the spongebob episode um <laughs> where patrick and spongebob are like on patrol well, i think like spongebob's the hall monitor or something and 
Patrick sees SpongeBob and he thinks he's like the bandit. He's like, he's just standing there menacingly. Menacingly. <laughs> so, so, so it's the kind of how how per- Patrick is per- perceiving SpongeBob standing there. Um, so that's what you want to describe, like how others might perceive it. Um, right, exactly. And just help, help people see what you're seeing in your mind. And then like another last little thing is just provide as much embellishment as you feel comfortable with. Like, for example, what, what I was just saying, instead of just saying he walks up to the bar and orders a drink, you know, throwing those little things about he, you know, he chuckles as he sits down on the bar uh, stool and swivels to the barmaid and says with a wink and a smile, you know, a round of drinks for the house, you know, whatever, you know, just keep, keep that in mind. It helps everybody else get that vision of what you have in your mind of your character without actually having to act it out, which is the next approach in Patrick. Yeah. Um, and one thing to touch on uh, from a player's perspective uh, with the descriptive approach is I feel like the descriptive approach is very friendly towards people who are kind of new to the role playing, uh, new to playing Dungeons and Dragons, that sort of thing. You know, you may not be comfortable with slipping into a British accent. Um, you may not be, you know, or you may be like me where you're like, oh gosh, was that British? Was that Irish? Was that Scottish? I feel like an idiot. Um, so, so you, you, you know. may just, <laughs> yeah, man. And so you may just want to uh, <laughs> stick with like a descriptive approach. The South will rise again, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so um that's that's a reference from friends oh gosh that i definitely have not watched a lot of friends so you're gonna you know be on me there um so and just like i said descriptive approach can be much more friendly towards the the new player the uncomfortable player um who's not really wanting to wave their arms about and do funny voices or anything like that which is part of the active approach which is you speaking with your character's voice like an actor taking on a role. You might even echo your, your character's movements and body language, which is huge for me. Like even just now, as I'm like describing, you might even echo your character's movements. I'm like, I'm doing things with my arms and hands. Like nobody sees this. Um, Gesticulating wildly. (laughs) Gesticulating. Uh, This approach is more immersive though you will still need to describe things that can't be acted out, which is a great point. And so most time, good role players use a combo of the two, a mixture of the descriptive approach and the active approach, you know, speaking in their character's voice, you know, speaking loudly, you know, I am around for the house, you know, uh, drinks on me. And then they say, and then I, you know, look to the corner at the shady looking dude at the table by himself to make, you know, trying to make eye contact, that sort of thing. So in that situation, that last part is not part of the active approach. It's actually part of the descriptive approach. And so kind of good role playing is a mixture of the both. And that's not to say, like I said, that just doing the descriptive approach isn't bad role playing. But I'd say the most right, fun, it's just there's... Yeah. to me, the most fun and like most enjoyable thing is like a mixture of the both. Yeah, I I agree. I usually, that's how I usually do it is, you know, while I'm talking is when I'll be in character, but yeah, I'll, sometimes I might have to just describe, like you were saying, sort of my actions or what I want to do. And that's kind of a good 
way to roll into the results of your role playing and these skill checks and things. So uh, your DM will use your character's actions and attitudes to determine how NPCs react to you. And um, so while interacting with the DM as they are portraying NPCs, pay close attention to their role playing because you might be able to pick up on subtleties uh, like bits of their personality, um, you know, how they're saying their intents and things like that, which then you can use later to your advantage. And I mean, it's, it's just like in real life, you know, in D and D when used wisely, your words can take you much further than you anticipated, you know, by like, you know, avoiding conflicts and forming pivotal relationships. But when it's used poorly, they can lead to conflict that can follow your adventure adventuring party throughout your entire campaign. So like, you know, session one or two, you could bump into somebody in the street and maybe you treated them wrongly or said something just kind of offhandedly and they heard it and took it the wrong way. And that was some sort of, you know, high council person that you have to deal with later and they remember you and hold a grudge or, you know, the person that you helped in the street one day and talked nicely to was, you know, a lord or lady that, you know, took kindness upon you and, you know, gave you more quests or gave you some good rewards and stuff. So, yeah, or it or even, gets you out of trouble. Yeah, like it does stuff kind of behind the scenes that you're maybe not even aware of, but the dungeon master may think like, okay, they weren't like a jerk to those people and those people were powerful people. So I'm going to, you know, maybe shape some of the backstory, you know, things going on behind the scenes and because of that. Yeah, I, I do that in my campaigns all the time. Like, I, I honestly took how my character or how my players reacted to my characters and if they were nice or not, like it did affect how they would treat them sometimes. Like for example, one of my players, he was both acting this way, but he was acting this way because like in reality, he couldn't remember any of my NPCs names and he didn't <laughs> really bother with it. So I turned that on him and I was like, cause he kept, um, repeatedly coming and seeing this one merchant uh, at an herbarium and like I would remember his name and like interact with him and all this stuff and he would never say his name and I was like huh so I made it to where I, he started not really being hostile to him but like he wasn't as helpful as he was at first because he wouldn't remember his name and he just wouldn't do it so it kind of drove a stake in between them and made it a little bit harder for him to procure things when he could have just been nice and remembered names. Yeah. You're not getting the favorite customer discount if you can't remember dude's name. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, like the role playing to me is like super fun. Like one example, I remember, um, piggyback, sorry. Um, piggybacking off of Brady's example is there was a magic item shop in the town that we used to always go to. And, um, it was run by a gnome, like a, a female gnome, and my uh, my halfling rogue, um, you know, decided that he was going to talk sweetly and try to make an effort to, you know, ask about this character or things, you know, because this person and, and the character was interesting. She had like different color hair every day and like went by a different name every day. And so I was actually like taking notes, trying to like coordinate like, OK, Tuesday, it's pink. She goes by Wendy, and then I, I would ask the dungeon master before I'd go in and be like, okay, I know what day of the week it is. What is it? And he'd tell me, and I'd say, okay, I know she's going to have pink hair. And always, I mean, that way I could try to call her by her 
name that day. And so that you know, just those little things to me are super fun. Yeah. I mean, that's to, to me, that's one of the main reasons that you play Dungeons and Dragons. Like, yeah, the combat's fun and stuff, but like just get to be, you know, somebody else for a little while, you know, just get to have fun and let loose and just, you know, play, play right. as somebody else is just one of, one of the major things for me. Yeah. And role-playing happens in combat too. Cause there's, there's tons of yeah. times, little snippets of conversation snippet, you know, jabs, the, the bad guy may be monologuing and you've, you know, <laughs> you're going to snap back at him with a witty comeback kind of thing, you know? Um, yeah, you sly dog. You, you had me monologuing. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. But I mean, great, you know, great movies like Lord of the Rings, that sort of thing. You know, the funniest things sometimes are in the heat of combat, you know, not the beard, you know, things, things like that, that are just quick little moments. And it's role playing. If your character says that thing, but it's during combat, kind of those moments. So role playing happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's not just out of combat. Yeah, it's it's all it's all the time. I mean, that's why this is a tabletop role playing game. So, oh, that's why. Gotcha. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that makes oh, sense now. <laughs> um, another oh, great thing, why. if uh, if you want to try to warm up to the active approach, or if you're you know a dun- you know want to be dungeon master, and you want to make sure that your non-player characters and that sort of thing are fleshed out or even that your monsters make crazy noises. Um, It's great because then you can talk to yourself in crazy voices or make like screeches and stuff like that in the car while you're driving or in your house. And people may look at you crazy. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm rehearsing for a part. (laughs) I'm I'm rehearsing for a role. Thank you very much. Yes. Sorry. I have a role. I have a big role coming up. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I it just it's really fun to just to be able to because I I can't tell you how many times I've been driving to and from work or something and like you know a session might be coming up in a day or two and I'll either be introducing a new character or having a character that's going to be taking a prominent prominent role in the upcoming session and I'll like practice their accent and like practice this or like practice a you know a a monster's or creatures like noises like you were talking about. And it's, I don't know, it's just fun. You just get to be like a little kid again, just like making noises and stuff. Yeah. Um, and one thing, I guess a perfect example of it, um, just to con- always reference to critical role. There was a character in campaign two, uh, which is the campaign that's currently on hold right now, but who is a turtle, which is literally like a turtle person, I guess, sorry, a turtle, a tortoise person. Sorry. Um, and, the, that, that character, his mannerisms, even his class, even physical description, that was all decided, kind of like decided by the community with Matt Mercer, like during uh, some kind of, I can't remember, I think it was like a chat that he was doing, like a video chat, um, like an ask me anything kind of thing. And he literally came up with this, this character, you know, okay, they've got like a Cajun accent and they've got like, they're missing an eye and like, He's a bard, so he plays some kind of musical instrument. It's and then I I didn't see that episode. Or I didn't see that talk that he gave until after after I'd already met this character. Which to me, that character is one of the most fun ones to hear him um, talk about. It's Orly, 
um, the the cap or the the navigator on the boat. And so, like I said, if if you can find that video, it's a great example of kind of the active approach, um, not only from a dungeon master's perspective, but even if you were going to play that kind of character, super fun. Yeah. And, um, those, those shows like that, any of the let's plays are usually a pretty good example to see how different DMS and different players take the different approaches to, to role playing. So, you know, definitely check out other, you know, videos and, other things of let's plays and uh, just kind of see what fits for you and what you might like better and just kind of play around with it, make it your own. But yeah, that's uh, pretty much going to be it for uh, today's episode on skill checks and role playing kind of a beginner's sort of look over of it. So we hope that you've enjoyed it and found it informative. And if you would please consider reviewing us on your preferred podcast listening platform, you know, it would really mean a lot and help us out a lot. But if you have any questions, just let us know or something that you'd like to hear about in a future episode or want to discuss or hear us discuss about. Uh, you can get a hold of us by either emailing us at the vitamin D and D podcast at gmail.com. That's the vitamin D, the letter N D podcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook page, uh, vitamin D and D podcast. Or I'll uh, let Patrick plug some of our other social handles, which you can find us on. Yeah, and you should, I mean, it's pretty easy uh, just to find us. If you just search for vitamin D, then the letter N, then D on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, you should be able to find us. I don't think we, I don't have a like Reddit handle or anything yet. Might I might avoid that one. Um, you can find us on those social media uh, sites. Um, I post the same to all three so don't feel like you got to follow all three or you might miss something. Um, although, man, they keep limiting my characters on Twitter and I feel, feel hamstring, man. Um, so <laughs> you might miss half of a sentence that's really cool if you, <laughs> if you don't, if you follow on Twitter and that's it. So, um, so that's why I need to follow all of yeah, them. Yeah, uh, or maybe, you know, or if you want, if you just go to our website, um, I'm sure we'll be, if we don't already, we'll be, creating some uh some social media little quick links some little icons to click or something like that that you can just use our website to lead you straight to those so try to get that set up soon if we haven't already um so just look for us there and um i also troll the dnd memes subreddit so if you steal my memes from mondays uh you got to give me credit i don't care if you do but just just tell them tell them who sent you <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. And um our website is the vitamin D and D podcast.wordpress.com. But if you just Google it, it'll pop up and you can find us. Yeah. And uh um, no one's gonna yeah, steal don't, my memes, they're so bad. Yeah, they uh it's Ooh. Well, got some pretty good ones. Wow, that's, you said you yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. No, you're welcome. <laughs> you we all know it. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just kidding. They're all original. I, I came up with them all myself. Oh. Well in that case, yeah, they are yeah. pretty good. <laughs> So, but anyways, um, but yeah, don't, don't forget to tell your friends about us, uh, and spread the word. Uh, we like, we like getting our word out there and we don't pay for advertising or anything like that. So just kind of let everybody know, spread the good word, but, uh, keep an eye out for our next episode or an ear out where we'll be talking about, uh, table etiquette and play etiquette, uh, for beginners and kind of do's and don'ts for your first session or 
your sessions after that. So yeah, it's kind of a quick yeah. and dirty guide to not looking like a really terrible, annoying person. Not looking person. like a fool with pants <laughs> on the ground. Yeah, don't look like a fool with pants on the ground. Yeah. So we'll we'll kind of walk you through that and give you some do's and don'ts and tricks, tricks and tips. So um, make sure you tune back in for that one. But other than that, take it easy, and we'll see you after your long rest.